Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a recording of the Key Row Film Society, and I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I'm a pastor in Northwest Iowa at St. Peter Luther Church in Ocheedon, Iowa, St. John Luther Church in May City, Iowa, and Zion Lutheran Church in Horton Township, Iowa, which is just north of Ocheedon. This podcast, if you couldn't tell from the intro, is going to feature three three different movies, three different shows, or pop culture things, or whatever you want to call it. And it's all going to be pointing towards one common thread. One common subject. (coughs) Excuse me. In case you have been in a cave for the last several months, and especially in the last week, you are fully aware that last week was the election. We elected a new president for the United States of America. And it's an election to the man Donald Trump that has created great controversy and great turmoil within our nation. And so this podcast is going to be my rare politically oriented podcast. It's going to focus on the election that happened and since this is a movie-oriented podcast that focuses on film and television in particular, I will be using three different... I'm going to use two movies and a TV series to discuss the election. See, the Key Row Film Society, for those of you who have not listened to this, the aim, the goal of this podcast is to look at movies, to look at television, to look at pop culture, and look at the ideas that are presented in them. And I believe that the three movies, these three titles, I think will give us an idea, give us a way to think about what has happened in this election. And that is Captain America Civil War, the Hunger Games franchise, and uh, The Walking Dead. Specifically, the most recent episodes. So I'm going to give you this warning now. I'm not going to get to The Walking Dead for a little bit, but the current episode, if you've not, you're not caught up on Walking Dead, there's going to be some spoilers coming up here. So it is very, very much... What I'm going to talk about, Walking Dead, is oriented around the character of Negan. But I'm not going to get there for a while, alright? So I'm going to begin with the Hunger Games franchise. Now, I saw the first Hunger Games movie when it came out in theaters. It was March of... Oh, I'm going to have to quickly Google this already. Alrighty, quick Google action! Um, let's see, Hunger Games. 
Hunger Games, as you know, is based off of a hit uh, TV hit book, very popular novel, very popular with young adults, with youth. Um, the book came, the movie itself came out in 2012. It was March of 2012. It did really well in the box office, and in my opinion, was a pretty solid movie. And it was very much relief for many people because the last really popular teeny bop book turned film series was was the movie Twilight, which was an awful film franchise and really a pretty subpar book franchise as well. So a lot of worry was that Hunger Games would be kind of in the same category, the same line of um, reaction, and it turned out it wasn't. The first film was a good movie. And I've, you know, I read the first book, I haven't read all the books, just the first one, and it turns out it's a pretty good book as well. And so we have this pretty good film franchise. And see, here's the thing is, I started watching Hunger Games about the same time I got introduced. I started, lis I was listening to um, a particular podcast um, by a particular podcast and reading a particular book um, that was very significant. I was listening to a podcast by um, Chris Roseborough of Fighting for the Faith. Some of you maybe have heard of me talk about this before. But on Fighting for the Faith, he did this podcast episode that was known as, it was called Resistance is Futile, You'll Be Assimilated into the Community. It's a very excellent podcast that explores the trends of the seeker-sensitive movement within the church. I encourage you to watch it. Go look it up on Fighting for the Faith. Look for Resistance is Futile. You'll be assimilated into the community. You can also find it on YouTube. You can find it um, very nicely coupled with a PowerPoint slides, which is very helpful as well. But anyways, I was watching that, and I had heard that podcast, and also I was reading a book called Modern Fascism by Gene Veith. And so it kind of had my mind and my eyes on what is fascism. What is it really? And then I watched Hunger Games. See, okay, fascism is this world where you lose your identity. That's a major element of fascism. There is no identity. You are the community. Alright? You're the community. And that is that's the that is what identity is. Everything is about the community. You as an individual don't matter. There's a major element. Um, fascism feeds off of fear, feeds off of emotions. It does not like logic. You don't a fascist is not big about policies, not big about ideas. It's all about emotion. It's all about feeding into your fears and feeding into those emotions. It doesn't want you to think. It only wants you to feel, all right? And it's, and so this is, fascism, we have this idea that fascism is either it's right-wing or it's left-wing. I mean, there's a sense it is right-wing, but it's not right-wing 
like it is an American ideology. Yes, fascism is far right wing, but it isn't conservative as we understand right wing in our culture. Being a conservative, fascism, fascists are not necessarily conservatives, and they're not necessarily liberals. A fascist could be a conservative, it could be a liberal, it could be, um, it could be a, a moderate. Any ideology can create fascism. See, fascism is ultimately about the community, aligned behind the um, the Führer, the leader, the visionary, the ca vision caster, the person who has a vision, an idea for greatness, for a group of people, for whatever it may be, and the people hear this great idea and they follow behind it blindly because they're going on their raw emotion. So the Hunger Games. I watched this movie. I watched the first movie, which wasn't clear what was going to happen here. It wasn't until you first get introduced to, um, you know, it's, you first get introduced to the president or the president in Area 13. When I mean President, I don't mean President Snow. I'm talking about President Al McCoy, played by Julianne Moore. And you see it in this, you know, in District 13. Sorry, not Area 13. District 13. You see this in District 13. Everybody's wearing jumpsuits. There's no identity. And this really, really comes out um, with... Um, uh, Oh, what's the character's name? I'm trying to look. I'm looking at the list here. And... Give me a... I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this, so hold on a second. I'm going to pause for a moment. Okay, it's Effie. Effie. Duh. Okay, Effie Trinket. Uh, played by Elizabeth Banks. There's they, they point out this moment where, you know, she's... In, throughout the move, the franchise, Effie is wearing these very colorful clothing, you know, pinks and uh, bright colors. And when she is in um, District Thirteen, she's not allowed to wear it. And you watch the, um, you know, with uh, Katniss, you know, you see them putting her out on TV, doing these propaganda videos to create emotion, to create anger. And all these little tactics to get her on in front of everybody's eyes. And it was upon watching this, I realized it. I knew exactly how this franchise, what was going to turn out. I knew it. President Coyne was a villain. Because everything you saw in her was textbook fascism. She was a fascist leader. And it was really interesting. Because it turned out that she was a villain. Just as President Snow was. And so this comes to the first comparison of our election this year. It isn't my belief 
that we had a very difficult election. Without a doubt, the choices were tough. You had Hillary Clinton and you had Donald Trump. You had one, Donald Trump, who made sexist remarks, racist remarks, talked about building a wall, making Mexico pay for it, talking about grabbing women, talking about changing libel laws so the media cannot insult him. A lot of questionable things he said and did throughout the election. By all intents and purpose, he... Uh, and his, I mean, his slogan was make America great again. Our nation's slogan, which interestingly was very similar to a slogan which was make from the 1930s, which said, make Italy great again. Then you had, on the other side of the spectrum, you had Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is a person who's, been, who's had a career wrought with scandals. Going back to when she was a first lady. Not including the mystery bodies. And I'm not going to bring, I kind of did bring it up, I guess. The mystery deaths in her along the way for the Clinton family in general. But let's leave that those conspiracies alone. But we have Whitewater, which was First Lady. Which was Secretary of State, you had Benghazi. You have the emails, which yes, the emails are a big deal. Because as far as we know from Wiki, the, the WikiLeaks stuff, that her email was hackable, given the fact that people did hack emails and release it all right and so how can we say that we could trust that she wouldn't have lost top government secrets i mean it was a big deal other people would go to jail for it she got nothing she didn't even get a fine nothing even though she broke federal law all right she Received the questions in the during the debate beforehand. Didn't think that was didn't call attention to it or nothing. She she cheated to win the Democratic National Convention nomination, the DNC nomination over Bernie Sanders, and I know what you're. Th and that's not even getting into her policies. She's, she's pro-choice. I mean, she doesn't. Eat, she even supports a partial birth abortion. She's even extreme compared to many Democrats. And so we have two very troubling candidates, and Hillary is just continuing what we've had. We've had. We had eight years of Bill Clinton. 
We had eight years of Obama with four years of those Hillary as Secretary of State. We had Hillary as Senator for quite some time of New York. The, I don't know, did she go, I can't remember if she went one or two terms, but she had at least six years. And and so you would have more of the same with her. And Barack Obama was not the perfect president the media wants us to think. The media's just been insanely gentle on him. I mean, the very week of the election, we heard about the failure of Obamacare with the, the skyrocketing premiums. It came out just before the election, showing that this Obamacare wasn't so awesome. And so we had, in this election, a very challenging decision. And by the way, this isn't... The fact that people didn't vote for her is not because people did not want a woman president. I, I'm sure there might be somebody that was that case. I don't think it was that many, though. I don't think it was as many as people want to think. I think there's far more people that voted for her just because they wanted a woman president. But I ask this question to you. To those of you who are just anxious, dying to have a woman president. I respect that. I understand that. But did you want your first woman president to be with somebody that had to cheat in order to become president? I mean, did you want to tell little girls everywhere? Because this is the thing I keep on hearing. So we want to tell little girls they can't be president. But what you wanted to tell little girls everywhere was that you can't be a president unless you cheat. Because that's what Hillary did. She cheated to get the nomination. She cheated in the debates. Is that what you wanted to be the first woman president? Someone that was that dishonest? I, don't, I can't believe that that's what you want. I think you saw what you... I know you want a woman president. And you, it was so close that you... You reached out for it. You're like, yes, it's there. It's right there. You took hold of it. You were anxious for it. And you wanted to take hold of it, ignoring the glaring problems right before your eyes. It wasn't, it's, it's not. I'm glad that she wasn't the first woman president because I want the first woman president to be someone who little girls don't hear is rot with scandal and getting away with a number of things. I want, we want to hear one. I want that first woman president to be one that women really can look up to. Alright? And so, when it came for me for the election, I really look at this, it's like the Hunger Games. We had a choice. In my mind... Donald Trump, you'd think that I'd say he's President Snow, because that would be more the sexism thing. And that's a tempting thing, too, because we want to put the man with the man and the woman with the woman. But I'm looking at the ideology. Ideologically, Donald Trump has a lot more in common 
with President Coyne than he does with President Snow. He feeds on people's negative emotions to be elected. Alright? That is the concern. That's where I see him like President Coyne. But on the flip side, I see Hillary like President Snow. The old way of things, the old way of living, that really isn't so good. It might be good for some people, but not for everybody. Not good for the, the middle, for the, um, the blue-collar workers. Not good for the farmers. Which came out in this election. See, this, and by the way, this is the thing with the Electoral College. This is why we have the Electoral College. is so that way we don't have a thing where, like in Hunger Games, only the elite districts control the country. This allows those lower districts, the people who are in the logging territories and the coal, the coal miners, the farmers, whatever, to have a voice. It's to keep from a click system going on in our country. It's amazing. When you think about this, how much Hunger Games ended up looking like this year's election. And I'm just realizing it even more as I go through this. But as I see it as Hillary was President Snow. Donald Trump is President Coyne. And the reason why, President, why Donald Trump got elected was because the people were angry. They're frustrated. Because their voice is not being heard. And this leads me to the second show. This leads me to Walking Dead. And so here, I'm giving you my spoiler warning. If you did not see last night's Walking Dead, I'm warning you I'm going to spoil it, alright? A little bit. I'm going to mostly explore the character Negan to this point, but I'm going to spoil a little bit. In the history of the world, there have been different kinds of rulers. There have been, and I want to look specifically to the militaries of the biblical times. So in the time of the Israel, especially the Old Testament, you had a few kingdoms. You had the, you had, I'm going to sp specifically focus on the ones during the last days of the kingdom of Israel. So you had the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans, okay? Those were the five biggies. The Assyrians were particularly brutal. I mean, these were nasty, nasty people. One of the cruelest empires in the history of the world. And for that reason, they fell really fast. Compare, compare that, and the Babylonians similarly were a cruel empire. Because when they came to Israel, so 
the northern kingdom in Israel was destroyed by the Assyrians. Destroyed, obliterated, to never be found again. I mean, this is the destruction of the northern kingdom was to such an extent that I could be a descendant of the northern kingdom and I wouldn't know it. Not highly likely, given the, where the origin of my family came from, but I'm just saying it is possible, given what the Assyrians did, okay? The Babylonians were a little bit better than the Assyrians, but not much. The Babylonians came into the southern kingdom, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, looted everything, killed many of the Israelites, and then they forced all of them to pick up their stuff and go to Babylon. To leave their homes and move to Babylon. To give you perspective of what that kind of distance is, this would be like if you lived in Minneapolis, somebody came into Minneapolis, destroyed the city, and forced you to take, get up and walk all the way to Chicago. Okay, kind of give you, that's kind of a general idea. Not perfect um, analogy, but getting close to the idea. That is what they were forced to do. Then, you have the Persians. The Persians, you see these guys in um, the movie 300, and they're usually portrayed as being mean, big, big old bullies. But in the Bible, they're not actually portrayed this way. You see that... Um, Cyrus is called God's anointed chosen one because Cyrus is the one who looks at the Israelites and says, hey, what are these guys doing here? And he sends them back home. He's the one. Um, and so, in fact, they are the, it's the Persians that have that good relationship with Esther. And so the Persians are actually a pretty... Night friendly empire, and so the and so and the Greeks kind of followed a lot of the similar models. They they ruled very similar to the Persians, and the Romans for a while did, but they eventually changed their tone. And so I use these different kingdoms to, as a comparison because the Assyrian Empire, in the grand scheme of things, did not last long. Neither did the Babylonians, and the reason was was because of their cruelty. They were just so nasty to the people they conquered. And what happens when you're incredibly cruel to the conquering kingdoms, especially when you're building a huge kingdom? The people you conquer are going to rise up, they're going to attack you, and they're going to destroy you. The Persians, on the other hand, they would conquer nations, but they would let them keep their religions, keep many of their customs, let them stay where they are. All they wanted was a little bit of a tax, and it was usually not too bad, too harsh. They just asked for a little bit of tax and let them be. And that's one of the reasons why the Persian Empire was so massive and it actually stood for quite a while. And the Greeks later did the same. And then after that, the Romans stood for a while until the Roman Empire became corrupt. And it began to bear many of the images, the... Um, Images or the, you know, began to look more like the, the Babylonians. Um, they didn't get quite as cruel as them or as cruel as the Assyrians, but they weren't very good. And 
very notably was the way that the emperors treated um, the Germanics, treated the Germanic barbarians. And because of their cruelty to them, that's why Rome got sacked. That's why Rome, you know, was burned to the ground. That's what caused the Roman Empire to fall. So I bring that up because in The Walking Dead right now, you have this great villain in Negan. In the first episode of the season, in case you haven't seen this, spoiler warning, in the first episode of the season, Negan, with the baseball bat, killed Glenn and killed Abraham. Since then, and then this last week, we've seen him come in to Rick's, you know, into Alexandria, where Rick and the group are. We see them come, him come there and take a whole bunch of their stuff, took all their guns, took their mattresses and burned them. May Rick walk around with Lucille, the very barbed wire bat that was used to kill Glenn and Abraham. You know, playing these real mind games, torturing him. And I, I know watching that episode, especially the very last line where, you know, Negan goes to Rick and he gets Rick to say thank you. And he says, and he goes, in case you didn't know, I just slipped my dick down your throat and made you say thank you. I might have got that quote a little bit off, but you got it. Which I heard that a man I wanted to almost, I was I it was at that moment I wished that my TV was a virtual reality and I could jump through it and rip that bat and beat him to death because that lie just oh just made you mad because and the thing is is Negan is such a well portrayed I mean the charisma you you feel like you're supposed he's so charismatic that you almost want to like the guy but what he's saying is so awful. And you can't like him. Now I bring this up, and I know what you're going to think is, oh, you're comparing this guy, Negan, to Trump. I'm not going to do that. What's going, well, I believe if The Walking Dead is going to go with the way history tends to go, because they've been cruel, they're cruel to all these people they've conquered. They're cruel to Hilltop, they're cruel to, um... You know, Ezekiel and his people, you know, over in the kingdom. And history says what's going to happen when you're cruel, when you're oppressive to the people you conquer. And you see it. He's cruel to his own people around him. You know what's going to happen. They're going to rise up. And it's going to be very similar to what happened in Hunger Games. In Hunger Games, you saw Katniss kill uh, President Coyne, but that's only because she's the only one that realized President Coyne was evil. And then the people basically lynch mobbed and killed President Snow because of his cruelty. And I think that's what's going to happen to Negan. I bring this up in light of the election because people are trying to figure out how did Donald Trump get elected? And here's the reason. Now, I wasn't that surprised that Trump got elected, especially after 
Hillary got nominated. If Bernie Sanders had gotten nominated, I think we'd be talking about Bernie Sanders being president. But I believe, I figured it out back in probably about March. When it was very clear Hillary was going to win, it was clear pretty well early that Hillary was going to win the nomination because she had such a huge lead, especially with those uh, super PACs. Because uh, the Democratic National Convention has a really messed up primary system. Um, it's one of those probably rare things I think Democrats are actually jealous of Republicans because the Republicans may not have a perfect system, but it's definitely better than what the Democrats have. But... I looked at the election. When I realized that Ted Cruz wasn't going to win, I knew. I watched the way Trump elected, ran his candidacy. I saw the way he got people to follow him. And I knew. I knew it. He was going to get elected. Bernie might have been able to elect get elected because he could speak the same message that Trump was. A similar message, I should say. But I think he would have spoken it better. In a more positive manner. And I think it would have been much more appealing. And honestly, I would take Bernie Sanders over Donald Trump. I'm not saying I would vote for Bernie Sanders. But if I had to vote, choose only two people, Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump, I would pick Bernie Sanders. And the simple reason is, is that while Bernie Sanders has many ideas that I don't like, many of them, I trust, I know where he stands. I don't trust Donald Trump. I don't trust Hillary. I don't trust Donald Trump. And you should notice that because I compared him to President Coyne out of um, Hunger Games. I am praying that my theories about him are wrong. Everybody's pointing to the wrong things. They're, they're getting the... And the thing is... Part of it was... I knew how well he could campaign. But the other thing is... That the other side... The, the left... The Democrats... The liberals... The media... Fed... His campaign so well... Without even meaning to. By calling everybody that was conservative, everybody that was um, Republican, every person that was a farmer, blue-collar, white, man or woman, honestly, anybody that did not fit their pro idealistic profile, ideologically, they bashed. And bashed and bashed mercilessly, beating them, beating, not physically, but in the news. It, I mean, comedy sketch after comedy sketch, just ridiculing, making fun of anyone and everyone that thought anything different than they did. Stephen Colbert, this past Tuesday night, out at the night, the night of the election. He seemed to tap into it, and I don't think he got the clue, because the very night after showed he did not get it. But on that night, he talked about, when did we drink into the poison and give this divisive politics? How did we let this happen? 
We in the media do, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The very next night, it showed he did not get it because he just went into an ongoing bash after bash after bash after bash after on anyone that voted for Trump. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, you don't get it. This is not a, this is not a barbed wire bat, true. But this is Negan using your words and your cruel, your, your calling everyone that you don't agree with a bigot, not recognizing that you yourself are a bigot because you cannot accept anyone that has an ideology other than yours. Calling, doing these little videos when it comes to pro-life, to responding to people who are pro-life and showing these nasty videos of them grabbing at a woman's uterus, grabbing at her stomach as if they're, um, you know, these evil witches or whatever. Not realizing that a person who is pro-life sees abortion as murder. Sees that you are killing a human being. And what they're in the mind, and I'm a pro-lifer, and so in my mind, you're, t you're, getting, you're mocking us for wanting to save human beings. And it's sickening every time that's seen. And all, many people in this country saw this over and over and over in the media, and it's still happening. And then you're seeing the protesting going on. You are not happening, helping. You're pouring fuel on the fire, and you're hoping that it that stops soon enough, and nobody remembers this four years from now, because if you they do, if you keep this up for four years, Donald Trump is going to have eight years in the presidency, because you guys are fueling it. You beat people Enough. They're going to fight back. And that's what happened this election. People got sick of it. They got sick of the way they're being treated. You're talking in this election about how you're afraid of President Trump. What you don't understand is how many people are afraid of you, the Democrat. You, the liberal. Christianity has a long history of being persecuted. All around this world, persecuted. Communism, the Soviet Union, China, North Korea, Philippines, the Islamic states. We have it in our Bible the promise of Jesus himself that persecution is coming. And, you know, while we expect it to come, that doesn't mean we're eager for it. That doesn't mean we want it to come. And you guys protesting, looting, destroying things, starting cars on fire, attacking police officers. When you don't get your way, it's really not easing fears because we're looking at it like saying, I'm glad we didn't vote you people into power. Because what were what are you were you planning to do to us? This is what has happened. Now understand, I am saying all this. I did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. I voted for Evan McMullen, and my backup choice was 
um, Daryl Castle of the Constitution Party, and my third choice was probably Ralph Wiggum of The Simpsons. Because I vote my conscience, and I don't want... I did not want my vote to empower either of those two candidates. Both of them were deeply troubling. For, bo- for different reasons. This is... You guys have... And this leads me to the, Captain America Civil War. Captain America Civil War is a very entertaining movie. You know, it's got a great Spider-Man, really great casting in the Marvel um, Cinematics universe. And you have this battle primarily between Captain America and Iron Man, Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. And the thing is, is you watch this movie and you see these two fighting and it's over an ideology. Over what they believe about this registration. And what I love about the movie is and there's a point when they're in this conference room and they're just debating with one another. And if you listen to it, you realize that both of them have a point. And I think it was very important that that movie came out this year. Well before the election got as deep as it did. Because we need to learn to remember that that person that you are opposing, they're not lunatics. They're not idiots. They're not bigots. They don't hate women. There might be a reason why they believe what they believe. And the way, only way you can understand that is by talking to them. By listening to them. See, we are the United States of America. We have a lot of diversity. We have states have very different geographies, different people, different economies. But ultimately, we are all human beings. We all love this country. I hate, on the right, and I say the right, I don't mean fascism right. I mean American right. When it comes to the conservatives... They, te- they so often want to talk about how President Obama hates this country. How Hillary Clinton hates this country. And I don't believe that. I have listened to them. I don't believe they hate this country. They have different ideas about how to serve this country. But I don't believe they hate this country. And I disagree with Obama and Hillary on a variety of things. But I don't hate them. I made sure this yesterday, this weekend, to pray for President Obama in our churches. We prayed for Hillary in our churches. But we also prayed for Donald Trump. We prayed 
Because I, because they're humans. We need to learn to listen to each other. And under, try to understand one another. You don't have to agree with somebody. That's not tolerance. Tolerance is not having to agree. Tolerance is listening to a person. Or I love the great, there's this great quote by Aristotle. And this is about education, but he says, The mark of an educated mind is the ability to entertain a thought without accepting it. We in this nation refuse to entertain any thought that is different than ours. We love living in our echo chambers. We want everyone to be Negan. We want everyone to think like President Coyne. We want everyone to think like the governments do in Captain America's Civil War. We don't want to talk to each other. We don't want to discuss. We don't want to understand one another. And it's that reason that we are where we are. The left is in control of the media. With the exception of maybe Fox News. You need to change your approach. You need to start bringing conservatives in. You don't want a Donald Trump in there? Bring conservatives in. Have them on TVs. Have them on talk shows. Have them make, let them make movies. And don't you tell me that Christians or conservatives can't make art. That's hogwash. Have you ever heard of J.S. Bach? Johann Sebastian Bach? Have you ever heard of Leonardo da Vinci? The greatest artists in the history of this planet who are far better than most of the artists living today were devout Christians. Alright? You don't have to be a liberal to be a good artist. That's a lie. Let them in. It's not a secret that Hollywood is unfriendly to conservatives. Change that. You don't want Trump to be empowered. Change the way you talk to those you disagree with. Disempower this man that feeds off of negative emotions. And I hope, I hope that Trump is a very different person than what he looked like on the election during the, the campaign. I hope he's a very different person. And I hope we're all wrong about him and he turns out to be a great president. Because if he's a great president, that's great for our country, that's great for everybody. But he might not be. And Democrats, you share older the blame by nominating Hillary, who was not a very good option. But you also shoulder the blame for the way you treat people. And yes, I know Trump people have not been very friendly either. But I could tell you something. I, I look at my Facebook feeds. 
I have far more Trump supporters as friends on my list than um, Hillary supporters. But I could tell you, by far, the majority of the negative posts have been coming from Hillary supporters. And the negative posts are not just targeted towards Trump or targeted towards Trump's ideas. They're targeted towards the people who voted for Trump. You've got to stop demonizing. You need to start talking and understanding. And if you don't, this is going to happen again. That's what happens in history. I believe in that Walking Dead, Negan, that's going to happen. There's going to be an uprising. They're going to take him down. Because that's what happens in history. You beat people down. You beat them into a corner. Like Negan does. Like President Snow did in Hunger Games. People fight back. That's what happened in this election. But when we listen to one another and we begin to work together, great things can happen. I hope that's what we can learn from this election. I hope we change our direction. I really do. I know very few people are going to listen to this, but for those of you who do, I hope you change the way you talk. I hope we could come together. And I hope Trump is better than we all think. So with that, I am Neil Wemus. I am a pastor of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I should note that my, my views politically are not about politicians. My views about politicians are not the views of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or of the churches that I am a pastor of. But I do say that pro-life is the stance of our synod and of our churches. Um, there are some issues that we do make, there are some issues that happen overlap with politics that we make stances on. But we don't make stances on political parties or politicians. This is my view. This is what I see. So, with that, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. With that, we are going to end this podcast with a recording of the hymn, Praise the Almighty. And before we get to that, I want to um, read a couple of the verses of this hymn so you can hear why I, we are closing off with this. As we finish with this election, I want us to be, I'm going to close the, a prayer for our country but I also want to close with this hymn because I think it's such a great hymn. And the hymn is from uh, a Higher Things service, um, Higher Things, which is a youth conference of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I want you to specifically listen to this second verse because it's 
a reminder as we deal with these troubling leaders. It says this, Trust not in rulers. They are but mortal. Earthborn they are and soon decay. Vain are their counsels at life's last portal when the dark grave engulfs its prey. Since mortals can no help afford, place all your trust in Christ our Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. I'm going to play that full hymn. But hear that. Trust not in rulers. They are but mortal. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we as a nation are so divided and we are struggling from this election. We struggled up to the day of the election and we have struggled since. We are divided. I pray that you would lead us and guide us to listen to each other. Don't let us compromise on what we believe. Do not let us compromise on your truth. But let, let us listen to one another, understand one another, love one another, to see one another as create your creation, as people who are created in your image, as people whom you died for. And as we enter into this era of uncertainty with this new president, those who are afraid, those who are concerned, give them comfort that you are the one true king. That no matter how corrupt our rulers may be, you are the king of kings. And no kingdom on earth will last forever. But your kingdom does. Your kingdom always stands. So we pray your blessing on our new president, Donald Trump. We pray your blessing upon our current president, Barack Obama. We pray your blessing upon Hillary Clinton as she struggles with this loss. And we pray, your, pray for those who supported her and who are struggling with this defeat. We pray for those who did not vote for either candidate that they would feel comfort and peace and knowledge that you are ultimately in control and you have a greater will that we can't see even in these trying times. Pray this in your precious name, O Lord Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen.